Hello, welcome to this Whitefoot Productions podcast with me, Taylor Williams. I caught up with Jake Nibby recently, current Worcestershire four-day vice-captain and formerly of Knotts and importantly Cornwall. Like most of you tuning in, I've followed Jake's career pretty closely and been so pleased to see how well he's played these last couple of years. Last year, Jake was the second highest run scorer in the county championship, pipped to the top spot only by Sir Alistair Cook. And he's picked up this season where he left off with the last. In this podcast, I talk with Jake about what went wrong at Knotts and what's gone so right at Worcestershire, how he's transitioned from Red Bull specialist to three-format player, his attitude toward batting and what allows him to bat for so long and score so heavily. We also talk Cornish cricket, something close to my heart and clearly something still close to Jake's. We look at his favourite memories in a Cornwall shirt and what some of his favourite innings have been. We cover all this and much, much more. Here's what to expect. You know, I think... To represent your county, growing up in Cornwall, I know we're very, very proud of being Cornish, um, and you know it, is, it was a great honour, you know, to play for them. What What do you think are some of the best things of playing cricket in Cornwall and for Cornwall? Because I, I think there's many of them, but I'd be interested to hear what you've got to say. I was like, well, here it comes. I've said this for ten years. I don't want to face this bloke, and he's running at me now. Exactly. That chap in that England badge is exactly the same in my eyes. So, onto the podcast. And wherever you're listening and watching, please like, comment and share if you've enjoyed it. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Um, how are you doing? You training to go to Warwickshire, I assume, in a couple of days' time? Yeah, no, yeah, I've had a couple of days off, so I've been golfing today um, in between the rain. But uh, Tough yeah, luck. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, no, but yeah, it's been all good. Yeah, we're preparing for Warwickshire's on the next game. They sort of come thick and fast at the minute. We've had... Um, nine games on the bounce well we will have nine games on the bounce it will be so this is our fifth coming up so yeah, it's been all sort of go really good man okay well first things first for those who are listening who maybe have been living under a rock um or they aren't aware jake was made standing captain for worcestershire last week. um bit of a baptism of fire jake against the reigning county champs so how was your first taste of captaincy yeah i think you're right with that i think it was um always going to be a tough one against the champions and you know I think realistically they probably have got the best team on paper you know they've got all departments covered um, so yeah it was always going to be tough and, and to be honest we're playing at New Road at the minute which hasn't got a lot of grass on it from the floods it's still sort of recovering so um, the pitch we played on was quite placid so didn't have a lot for our bowlers so that was um, yeah quite testing at times but yeah no, look, I, I loved it it was a great honour for me, you know, um, something I've always sort of wanted to do is captaincy or go down that road. And I guess only being at Worcester now for, well, best part of a, a year, really, or 16 months to, to get it this early is, is yeah, I'm, I'm really quite proud of. And I, I was I was racking my brains, actually, and I couldn't remember whether you had been captain before at any level. Is that I mean, right? I, yeah, no, I mean, I've done I've done. Uh, stuff in the twos at knots but yeah nothing right. nothing obviously too serious I think um obviously under your captaincy in Cornwall so I'm, <laughs> I've learned from the best uh, but yeah no I mean yeah it's something I always wanted to do but I guess I've never I've never done it to a to a high level yet and then and then Alistair Cook decided to peel off his 63rd first class century on the first day yeah I mean we were sort of saying now he's out of form as well this season he hasn't got a lot of <laughs> So that was always penciled into Athens, so that was good fun. But yeah, I mean, if there's anyone's going to get it, it's, it's going to be him in there. Yeah, very true. And sticking sticking with Essex, the you obviously started the, the season well. You had the 180 against Essex. 
then the, the 117 against Knotts, which must have been nice. Um, and then the 41 and 52 not out last week against Essex. How nice has it been to pick up where you left off from last season and continue that that vein of form? To be honest, it was it was something that I I really wanted to do and almost motivated me more. I think last season was obviously a great year for me. Um, sort of being the leading run scorer in the country. Um, you know, it was it was it was great, but obviously it was sort of five games last season, and I was, you know, I was keen to carry that over and make sure that wasn't just a you know sort of first season blip. I know a few players that have gone away and and have had great first seasons and maybe haven't backed it up so well, but yeah, I mean to start the way I have um, and sort of play the way I have it is is you know I'm, I'm really pleased with and yeah, it's a great start and they obviously keep coming, so we go again this week. But yeah, I mean I couldn't have asked for a better start. And the, and the 180 that you made, um, were you aware that you were, were you aware that you were two minutes off spending the most amount of time on a cricket pitch in the county championship in, in the entire history of the competition? Yeah, I mean, no, I didn't, I actually didn't have a clue. I, I, I got, I did an interview afterwards um, and the guy, that was his first question to me and I, was like, <laughs> I didn't, have, didn't have a Scooby that I was anything like that. I mean, it surprised me a little bit. I mean, I got 180, so you've had guys who have got through you know, triple hundreds and stuff. So it shows how slowly I batted, to be fair. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, they should have been able to find them two minutes from somewhere. So I was a bit disappointed. Well, I, I did think, could you not like take guard another time, do a bit of gardening? But obviously, you weren't aware of it. Um, and, and sticking with the, the 180, obviously, Sir Alistair Cook was standing at first slip for best part of two days watching you bat. Did you talk to him? Did he say anything to you after the game? I mean, it was really nice. He, he obviously said, well, batted sort of on, in the morning of day four and then uh, obviously after the game, yeah. He's he, he's as you'd expect a uh, sir to be and, you know, he's, you know, he's really sort of appreciative and, um, yeah, he, he sort of said, well done. But, yeah, I don't think he was too happy. He was a bit grumpy at times having to stand out on the field for so long, so he probably wasn't too pleased with that. But, um, yeah, no, he, he was nice. And, and all the Essex lot were. I think Essex, you know, they play the game quite hard. Um, you know, they make it quite uncomfortable at the crease, but not but they have a good balance mm. and then off the pitch that, you know, they're a good bunch of lads and, um, you know, they all sort of said, well done, as you'd expect. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a good one to get. And have you, have you managed to pick his brains at all in the last couple of years? Have you managed, probably not with COVID, but have you managed to sit down, have a beer with him and, and just talk about batting? No, I think you've, you've nailed it there. I haven't really been able to get close to our positions at all, really, throughout this sort of period. I've, I've played him once before pre COVID and yeah, we didn't really get opportunity, but, I've I've chatted a little bit to him in mornings and stuff, but yeah, it's probably something that I would would like to do. He's obviously a great great person to learn off of. Um, but but yeah, I guess with COVID at the minute, they do keep you as far apart as possible, really. And the the next questions are a two part question. So what what do you think has clicked in your game in the last two seasons since joining Worcestershire? Um, and then the second part of that question is what went wrong at knots towards the back end of your time there. Do you know what? It's, it, I've, I've been asked this question a lot um, and I've obviously had some thinking time. I think within my game itself, you know, technically, I, I haven't really changed a great deal, to be honest. It's for me, yeah, I, and I, I know a lot of people say it, but it's, it's been a massive mindset thing. I think just that confidence um, that, you know, if I do well, it's sort of my spot. I, I, I feel a little bit more of a senior player at Worcester. Um, and, I, you know, I guess... 
I'm not always looking over my shoulder here. I think yeah, I've been allowed to go out and express myself a little bit on the pitch and, you know, I put in some good performances and then I just feel like I've gotten a role and, um, yeah, and I don't think it's much more than that, really. I, th- I, I feel confident in, in the way I'm playing. I think, I think to be fair, my last year and maybe two years at Notts, I, I felt like I improved a lot as a batsman. Um, you know, sort of technically I made a few changes and I do feel like I improved a lot and, one reason or another, I didn't. I didn't perhaps get the opportunities I would have liked, um, and that's fine. And I've sort of moved on from that now, and, and I'm really happy at Worcester. But um, but yeah, I think going touching back on Knots, look, it, I'm really thankful for the opportunities I got there. They gave me my first professional contract, and obviously, mm. you know, it improved me um, a lot throughout my time there. Um, I think towards the back end, look, they went down a road where they wanted to sign batsmen. Um, I, I don't necessarily think I was the one that they were wanting to replace, to be honest. Um, but as it turned out, there was there was a lot of competition for places, and um, you know, I, I perhaps didn't get the opportunities I felt I deserved, maybe. But um, you know, arguably, probably didn't do well enough at times as well. So, and it's quite a ruthless, ruthless club, really. Uh, you don't don't get a lot of leeway there, and um, I guess you're always sort of two or three games away from from getting dropped. Mm. But what what did interest me at Notts is you you developed your white ball game, which growing up with you you would say was definitely not your strongest suit. Yeah, so what, what what do you think you did to become a white ball sort of success really at Notts? Do you know what I think? Yeah, this is a really interesting one. I I think it was only really four seasons. You know, I've been playing T Twenty now for three seasons. I think at Notts I was pigeonholed as red ball player, and probably rightly so. And I think more so the reason is just the white ball team at Notts was was that good. It was pretty much full of international cricket players. So for me, from the outside, it was tough to get into. Um, my 50-over game was always quite good at Notts. I always scored runs in the twos, but I was just nowhere near getting a go. Um, it was just too good. But I think the T20, to be, able to, to, be, to be honest, was a little bit of a revelation. Mm. I remember Pete Moores came up to me one winter and... He, he sat down and he just said, right, what are we doing about T20? As if to say, you know, right, where's your T20 game at? We haven't really addressed that properly. And it was one thing where I just messed around with a few times in nets. I literally went completely out of my comfort zone. I changed my grip, changed my stance, changed my mindset, which I would say is the biggest thing, personally. Mm. And just sort of let go of everything. Um, didn't worry about getting out or or looking silly or anything like that. And all of a sudden, I don't know, it just, it just sort of clicked. I, I guess it was... Well, how he put it, it was always sort of there and I just didn't let it out. And that's, I think that's how it was. And I, I just got confident. I practiced a lot, found found a game that sort of worked for me in T20. And and I guess mindset wise, just just try to enjoy myself and, and let go a little bit, really. And is that is that a reality of being a professional cricketer these days that, you know, you can play all the Red, Red Bull cricket you want, but ultimately to earn your crust, you have to be a three format player. Is that, is that, something that comes from the club absolutely I think uh, personally I always wanted to be a three format player or at least play some white ball cricket I think it was just maybe a bit of a closed door for me at Knotts mm. and um until until I managed to sort of get in there and and I mean arguably my last year at Knotts I was probably more of a white ball player than a red ball player which yeah. is bizarre but um yeah I, I obviously you've had you know touch with had some good success so far in the t20 stuff and I've really enjoyed playing it um, I think it's something which I'd be careful how I word this, but I, I try and not put too much pressure on or, or take too seriously. It's I see T20 cricket and I really sort of see it as a team game. We try and win, and 
you know, I'd, I'd just go out there and try and enjoy it and express myself really and sort of engage a little bit with the crowd and the atmosphere and, and, and really enjoy it, which to be fair, as a cricketer, you don't really get a lot of time, particularly playing Red Bull, though it's a, it's a nice atmosphere to play, and it's it's very different to playing a T20 in front of 17,000 people at Trent Bridge sort of thing. So, um, you know, I enjoyed that, and it was it was a different dimension, something which, you know, I, I guess is as, as close to sort of your footballs, if you like, that, you, that you're going to get as a cricketer. And let, let's let's go back to the, the beginning, sort of park in the, the professional cricket for a minute. And, and for those people that are listening that may not be familiar with your journey just briefly explain sort of your your route from being a Cornish youth team player playing for Callington all the way up to, to present day yeah I mean without wanting to bore everyone I, I suppose it was quite <laughs> a long a long story really um yeah I mean I grew up playing county age groups I got into Cornwall under 10s and went all the way through you know to playing with yourself at under 17s um and made my way into the minor counties team but I guess in between that I had a, quite a lot of setbacks growing up I was always mm. as you know quite small for my for my age um you know there's bigger lads in my age people score more runs than me and perhaps you know they were playing this, this sort of west of England stuff and getting an EPPs and you know development programs like that which which you were definitely part of um which I wasn't part of and and that was a little bit down to my size and you know I guess it wasn't until later when I, I matured a little bit more physically and, and bulked out a bit and could actually, you know, reach the boundary ropes um, a little <laughs> bit. So um, I guess I started scoring more quantity of runs, I guess, probably when I was 17, 18. Um, I think up yeah. to then I was quite hard to get out and I guess technically quite good, but I never really had any mm. highlight innings. Um, so I guess, yeah, it wasn't until I sort of maybe started university really and, and, and got, you know, a bit bigger and then, into the minor counties team and I had, a, I had a really good couple of years in the Cornish Prem um, and then that sort of filtered into the Cornwall minor counties team in my first year with that where we obviously won the title which was a great achievement um, and yeah I guess when I went to university then I started playing second team cricket and doing a bit of trialling and you know obviously playing for the MCC itself is, is decent cricket and I think then I just I just scored you know scored a scored quite a lot of runs which which got me noticed really. And was there was there one specific moment that you can put your finger on where you you thought to yourself, yeah, being a professional cricketer is something that I can actually do? Was there was there one sort of watershed moment? Yeah, look, I think I, I always grew up with that dream of wanting to be a professional cricket player. I think a lot of, a lot of people do, and I guess did I honestly think it was on the radar through growing up? Probably not. If I'm being honest, I think when I went to Truro College um, and you know, I was there in my first year when you were in your second year um, and sort of, you know, under Sean Hooper, that's where I really got quite close to Sean um, as a coach and he sort of helped me. And I guess I sort of emerged a little bit there and I started to do well and score some some bigger runs and get noticed a little bit. And, you know, sort of his help with the knots link that he had, um, mm -hmm. you know, that got me later down the line, that opportunity um, sort of. From sure, I went on to play, I think it was first, to be honest with you, Taylor, when I first went up to university, I started playing up-country against second teams, against professional cricket players. Um, yeah. and, and it was probably my second year of uni where I thought I was doing well, scoring runs, and I thought, well, this this might be actually achievable, but I didn't really ever have a door in. And I think that was the frustrating thing, or the frustrating thing, but I didn't really know how to do it or how to go about it. I was never attached to a county. Um, it was always just try and score as many runs as you can, try and get noticed. And it was trialling, really, which isn't overly fun, if I'm being honest. Um, and I guess <laughs> my first opportunity came straight after university where I got a 
offered a summer contract with Nuts, which at the time was, um, you know, a great achievement. And I guess I had a longer time then to to sort of give it a go, really. And where, where do you think, because you, you've talked about the setbacks and, and one of the things I admire about you is that you haven't had a clear progression to, to where you are today. So where do you think that inner belief came from to keep going and keep going and keep going? I don't know. I mean, I've had a lot of people say various things about my characteristics, but I, I don't know. I, I've, I've always sort of wanted it. I think deep down there was a bit of a burning desire to not necessarily prove, prove people wrong, but an element of that, maybe. Um, I think, you know, I got a lot of setbacks. I never got into any West of England stuff, um, you know, any EPPs. I saw lads my age get into stuff and, and sort of, you know, doing well in that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I always flew under the radar a little bit. And I think when I got a bit bigger and then started to overtake these lads in sort of the runs and what I was achieving and getting into the sort of minor counties team and then getting up to the MCC and playing second eleven and getting some trials. And then, I don't know, I guess I was just motivated to really achieve, achieve that goal. And, and I think, I don't know, maybe I sacrificed a little bit more than other people. Um, you know, maybe socially I probably sacrificed quite a lot. Um, particularly yeah. around that age um, to sort of achieve them dreams and I guess you know I just I just really wanted it to be honest with you and to move on to to, to playing for Cornwall specifically what even now as a professional cricketer and, and all that you've achieved what does it mean to to have worn the chuffs on your forehead and to have played for Cornwall I think on a, being honest with you it's it's still a massive achievement in, in my career and I, I do honestly see it as, as one of sort of the, the best thing that's happened to me. I think winning that county, you know, the minor counties championship, um, and mm. which you were very much a part of, was was a fantastic achievement. I think at the time that was my first year in it. I didn't really understand how much it meant to people until I sort of, you know, saw a few of the committee and, and you know, management um, sort of crying at the end of it when we won it. And, yeah. um, you know, I think to represent your county, growing up in Cornwall, I know we're very, very proud of being Cornish. Um, and you know, it, is, it was a great honour, you know, to play for them, represent them, get get my chuff, get you know, get my cap, and um, you know, it you know, it really is, it really was special, and it also is a massive part of my development to mm-hmm. you know playing a high level of cricket. I've been exposed to sort of the longer format and three day cricket, and it's something which you know I loved and love being part of, and opened my eyes a little bit at the same time. And yeah, it was it's an it's an amazing honour, as as I know you feel the same. Absolutely. What what were your scores in that minor counties final? Yeah, I, I didn't do great in the final. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was on a pair and then I might have just got up it. I think it was Norton three or so. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I did well up to them though. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I agree with you. I my my moment when I realised how important it was for everyone. Obviously, you know, you saw you saw Fursey shedding a tear, which was which was lovely. But then. We all moved from Truro, where we where we had just won the final, and we had a couple of beers in town. And and someone come up to me and they said, "Have you just been at Truro? Have you have you been playing for Cornwall? Did you just win the Mining Counties Championship?" Because they'd heard it on BBC Radio Cornwall, and it sort of gave me goosebumps. And I said, "Yeah, that's what we've been doing." He said, "Bloody well done! Like, good on you!" And and, and it was at that moment that I thought this means so much more than just the other ten blokes that you share this experience with it. It means a whole lot to, to everyone else in Cornwall. So I completely get where you're coming from when it when it comes to putting the chuff on your head. And and just to touch on minor counties cricket, I mean, you've talked about your 
your progress being a bit disjointed and, and you weren't on the EPP and the West of England um, and things like that. Do you think that, well, how important do you think the volume of runs you've got in minor counties cricket was to getting your professional contract and to being where you are today? Yeah, no, I think it was massive. I think for, to, for two reasons, really. I think um, not only did it maybe open a few doors and, you know, get my name out there a little bit more, I guess, um, particularly getting me onto sort of the MCC scheme um, and stuff like that. But I think maybe even more importantly, it was probably more for me um, to know that I could I could play at that high level um, against mm-hmm. good, you know, obviously the best sort of club cricketers in the country. That That's pretty much what Minor Counties is. Um, so I think, you know, just for myself to actually believe that I could play at that level and, and have success over sort of, you know, a, a longer format and, um, you know, do it at what I see as a, as a good standard of cricket um, and the best I could have played at the time, you know, certainly, yeah, massively helped me in, in my development. And some, something I've wondered, and, and you might know this, but how much, how much value do professional clubs put on minor counties runs? Yeah, I think it varies, to be honest. I've, I've seen a lot of, um, coaches wanting people to play their minor counties and in fact at mm. there was a period where they actively wanted players to go up particularly you know, like the younger lads to go and experience it yeah. I think they see it as, as a really good you know environment to play in I think they see it as tough cricket that would be how I'd sum it up with you know in terms of standard I'm not sure where they see it but I, I, I know that they want their players to to be exposed to it so um, I think it's a good step in you know, stepping stone to playing second team cricket and, and you know, professional cricket for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, one of the things that I've admired about you as well, which you've, you've touched on, is the volume of runs that you've scored. So I, I remember when you, you went away to university and you were just a small lad. And, and my distinctive memory of you was at King's College when mm-hmm. I think you were there at the same time that we were there. And, and someone said, oh, this, this young lad called Jake Livy's just batted 50 overs for 50 runs. And I, <laughs> I always remember that. But then obviously we grew up playing together and you progressed and then you come back from university and you were just a run machine. Um, so what, what do you think, other than your size and your stature, what do you think you took forward from playing cricket at university level and then to score in that volume of runs? And, and what do you think it is about you that means you can concentrate for such long periods of time and just peel off 100 after 100? Yeah, I think, um, I think to be honest, I've always had decent concentration in terms of batting time, even when I was young. Like, like you said, I think it frustrated a lot of people at the time, but batting sort of 40, 50 overs for... 40, 50 runs was something I did, you know, fairly often. It was just lucky in the team I played in. I had people like Paul Smith and Adam Cockin and Dan Jenkins who were sort of belting it around me. So it kind of worked <laughs> quite well for us. Um, but yeah, I think I've always had that. But then there's a couple of sort of comments that stuck with me. I think Tim Marion, as a coach when I was younger, I remember him saying one thing which always stuck with me is that 50s and 60s, you know, don't really get noticed. They're great um, and we want them. But hundreds and you know 120s 140s that that's what gets you noticed and I think that's always sort of stuck with me a little bit and and at the time he said it I probably actually wasn't capable of getting them scores mm-hmm. um, just physically I wasn't capable of getting them sort of scores um, but I think I took that forward into my cricket um, and particularly I think when I really turned 17 18 I started you know pulling out a bit and and being able to get them scores I think it was one thing that I always wanted to do was, was score hundreds I love scoring hundreds even now um I think it gets you noticed. It, it you know, sort of 
accelerates your progression. Um, and I think wherever it was, whether it was club cricket, minor counties cricket, you know, university cricket, it was always about scoring hundreds and um, and you know and trying and trying to get big scores really. And I, and I think that's something you know which Sean sort of instilled in me throughout college and then sort of growing up. Mm. And, he, and I'm still in contact with him now. Um, as much as he annoys me sometimes, the fact that he always wants me to be not out. Um, you know, I might have just walked off, got 120, but if I wasn't not out, he'll still tell me off. So it's, um, <laughs> yeah, which is great. But, you know, I think it's sort of instilled in me and also sort of backed up by a few people that, you know, it's always, I just wanted to keep getting noticed. And I guess my, my sort of childhood and stuff like that and growing up, I think um, potentially being from Cornwall, I think you always had to do slightly more. Um, yeah, I had to do get slightly more runs than other people and stuff like that. And I guess grew up, you know, sort of growing up and and trying to get to become a professional cricketer. I guess that was something which I just saw I had to do. Really, you lead me quite neatly on to my my next question. I wanted to focus sort of more on Cornish cricket generally um, and ask a bit of a blunt question, but an important one. Do you, do you think that up and coming Cornish cricketers can sometimes be overlooked by professional clubs? purely because they play their cricket in Cornwall? Well, look, I can give a really honest answer and I can only give an answer on what I experienced and guys around my age experienced. And the answer is yes, absolutely. It's a, yeah. a lot tougher, in my opinion, to to make it. I've played with a lot of, you know, good cricketers in Cornwall and I could name you 10, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys probably a few years older than me. Some who have actually had that opportunity a little bit, but I think, you know, we are tucked away down there. I think probably the most frustrating thing for me was in Cornwall, although we had the Nuts link, um, was perhaps well, there wasn't an obvious route into professional cricket. Um, so I just felt we were tucked away a bit down there and perhaps what you did didn't really get seen. So I, I'm I'm hopeful that's changing now, speaking to a few people. Obviously, you've seen Lewis mm-hmm. Goldsworthy made his debut mm-hmm. for Somerset this week and made a good start, which is great to see. Um, and, and I hope in years to come, there's going to be more guys. Um, hopefully there's better connections, which I believe there is now with Somerset and, and local counties. And there will be a route for them. And if they do well, they won't necessarily have to get out of Cornwall so early to achieve that. And, and with that in mind, what, what advice would you give to, to any Cornish cricketer that may be 11, 12, 13, 14 years old? That looking to follow in your footsteps and become a professional cricketer, what would be the, the one nugget of, of advice that you would give them? Yeah, I think when I was growing up, it, it probably was a closed door. I think now it may be a little bit different, but I think I can only really give the same advice as I've touched on. And, and that's, you know, you've got to sort of get those big scores and highlight scores. Um, the only thing I would say is that having been there at, like you said, 11, 12, 13 years old, I've I wasn't capable of doing that. I probably wasn't capable of standing out, um, you know, in the crowd that I was playing with. So the only thing I'd add is is patience um, and self-belief is if you want that dream and you want to become a professional, you're going to have to sacrifice a hell of a lot and and work really hard, but also have that patience and that belief. I think, you know, I was was small for my size and I was a late developer. So, you know, if you're there now and you're sort of 11, 12 years old and perhaps not exactly where you want to be, it's it's still having that belief and that patience. And then, you know, realising that, you know, come 16, 17, that's probably where it's most important. Um, and there's still always time to make it. Um, but, yeah, I think the one bit of advice is when you when you sort of do get a bit older and is really getting them big scores and highlight scores, which stand out from the crowd, really. And we, we, we sort of talked about, potentially some of the pitfalls of, of playing cricket for Cornwall and in Cornwall but 
what what do you think are some of the best things of playing cricket in Cornwall and for Cornwall? Because I, I think there's many of them, but I'd be interested to hear what you've got to say. Well, I think for one, it's a really unique um, sort of league down there. I don't I don't know how exactly what I mean by that, but I know everyone knows everyone in terms of <laughs> you go you know exactly who you're playing against. So there's yeah. there's always rivalries there, and that's one thing I always enjoyed. Like if we were playing against St Austin, I'd know exactly I'd know all of their players and and exactly sort of you know how how everyone's going to go about it. And, and I think you have got a real rivalry down in Cornwall. Um, so I always enjoyed that side of things and. I think, you know, we, we always stop for a beer and everyone's really sort of friendly off the pitch. But but on the pitch, it was great rivalries and, and, you know, some really good some really good games. But I think another thing is it's a beautiful part of the world. And I've played in many leagues now around the country. And I still reckon Cornwall's got by far the best grounds, um, mm. you know, out of anywhere. So um, there's, that's a bonus. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what you think yourself. Well, I, I enjoy the camaraderie. Like, you, you touched on it everyone knows everyone um and there's a healthy rivalry but everyone's also friends and that that translated to playing minor counties cricket i mean me and you played in the same side for a number of years and the amount of games that we we pulled out of our ass <laughs> on a on a tuesday um i don't think a lot of other teams could do that i think there was a special camaraderie i think there was a special spirit that i think is is unique to cornwall um whether it's because we're so isolated or because we all grew up playing cricket together, I don't know, but I think it's something quite unique to Cornwall. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was touching on. I think you're spot on. I think when you mentioned that we only turn up on Tuesdays, which was going back <laughs> to the counties for a bit, it, it was true though, wasn't it? I think some of the results we got um, was fantastic. And I, I think having seen a few other minor counties environments, I think guys chopped and changed a lot. There was new faces and perhaps yeah. didn't play it in the same way as we did. And I think... As, and I love the man. Godfrey's got a lot to do with that. I think he's he's an absolute legend. I've had some of the funniest moments, genuinely, on a cricket pitch <laughs> and and off a cricket pitch with that man. And um, so yeah, I think you know it, it's a, it's a really good. But I loved it. You know, it was enjoyable. It was hard cricket. We played it really hard on the pitch, but then off the pitch, it was it was just great, great camaraderie, and and the lads really got on. And and on that note, what what's your What's your favorite? Well, firstly, what's your favorite moment playing cricket for Cornwall, and secondly, what's your favorite innings for Cornwall? Well, I, I, okay, so my well favorite moment is is really easy for me. It was celebrating that win at Truro, um, winning the minor county championship, and 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 nothing will beat that. That was a great day. Um, I think that great evening as well we spent in Truro celebrating as well, and you know, really special because it meant so much to so many people within mm -hmm. Cornwall. And although I didn't do so well in the game. Um, it was just amazing that we you know we managed to win that and, and what an achievement that actually was. Um, and to spend it with, you know, lads who sort of worked hard with all season was fantastic. I think my, my favourite innings was probably, I think, is it Great Chew in Oxford? Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah. I got 142, I think. And, um, and yeah, I think it was funny because me and Matt Robbins opened the bat and we didn't lay a bat on it for one even against, um, is it Chad? Chad Keegan. <laughs> Well, we had we had great fans. I, I tell you what, there was a lot went on that week as well, which probably things I can't touch on on this podcast. But that was an interesting <laughs> game of cricket. But I remember me and me and Minnie just didn't lay about on it for about an hour, um, and then the next yeah next day managed to get hundred. I think I think Minnie just fell short of hundred, but we put on a lot anyway, and it, it was diving yeah. all over the shop. I just remember that well. But I tell you one thing, which I actually I've got a touch on is when I played the game for Cornwall. 
couple of years ago, I went back and played against Devon. Yeah. And um, it was when me, we won on the last day. We chased down a massive score and, and Smithy came in um, and just changed the game. He kept turning it into the Cowfield at Warrington. <laughs> um, I think I was 130 not out by the end of it and we just scraped over the line. So that was just, that was another special moment. It was special because I hadn't played for Cornwall for, you know, sort of probably three or four seasons. So to go yeah. back and see a few faces that I've played with, um, you know, that was pretty special. And to beat Devon obviously was nice. And yeah, I, I sort of love going back there. And do you see yourself playing for Cornwall again when the time comes and you've had a successful professional career? Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually got asked this question the other day. Um, sort of what my availability was this season. Who uh, <laughs> <laughs> asked you that? Who asked you that? Scott Harvey messaged me <laughs> a few weeks ago. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, to play again this season might be hard pushed looking at the schedule. But um, no, look, yeah, I'd, I'd be amazed so. if I didn't play play for Cornwall again. Um, like yeah. I said, I, I love playing with it. I'd love to play with a few lads that I played with before. Um, I know there's loads of new faces there now, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see there's still guys that are still playing when I was playing and sort of still involved in the coaching side of it. So um yeah it's, it's obviously got a special place in my heart and yeah I mean I'd, I'd, I'd never say never to go back and play there one day be, you know I'd, I'd love it well when you're when you're done with Worcestershire in 10 years time let me know I'll dust off my chat I'll get back <laughs> in training and we'll play together <laughs> I'd love I'd love that that'd be great <laughs> um going back to, to professional cricket moving away from Cornwall what what's the best thing about being a professional cricketer? If you wanted to sort of inspire the next generation of Cornish cricketers, what what would be the one thing you would say to them that is the best thing about being a pro cricketer? Yeah, I think for me, one of the best things about being a pro cricketer is sort of the support I get. Um, and I, I honestly, when I you know particularly I've done well over the last sort of month or so, my phone is is absolutely <laughs> rammed with messages, and it really is, and it's so it's so nice. It is. One of the nicest things, I get so many messages from, from people from Cornwall, you know, mostly Cornwall. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's so nice to know that, you know, everyone's still supporting me and keeping an eye on me. And, um, you know, it means a lot, really. And I think that's really special to to know that sort of, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm making them happy, but making people happy back home, you know, they're pleased for me. And, and I guess that's one of the most rewarding, rewarding things for me. Um, yeah, but um, I mean, in terms of being a pressure cricket, it's probably everything that, you know, guys wanting to achieve it would expect it to be, you know. Um, just the team camaraderie and doing something that I've grown up loving as a job is, is you know, you can't really beat that, to be fair. And, um, you know, that's pretty special. Well, I can I can say that now that the, the county championship, they're showing all of the games on live stream. So I've I've spent more time than I'd probably care to admit watching you back over the last month or so um and I know I've texted you separately and, and said how much of a pleasure it's been um and it's just been so nice to tune in and see you score runs um having played with you so often you know coming up the age groups and stuff so long may it continue um and then I wanted to, to sort of flip flip that question and say what's the worst thing about being a professional cricketer well I guess the worst thing would be exactly what I've just said but the reverse and it's almost that pressure and expectation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know I've got so many people with eyes on me so it's um in a way it's when you don't do so well or you have a bad month or whatever which is inevitable in this game and, and I've had plenty it's it's sort of that that pressure if you like but I think that's the one thing you know I'd probably I have given advice to is, is when I have 
I've gone back and done a few sessions with sort of, you know, the Cornwall emerging program and stuff like that. And, you know, sort of advice I give is, is, you know, it is, it is a pressured environment. It's a, it's a ruthless environment. Um, mm. You know, it, it's one thing which probably caught me up a little bit. Um, I'm mm. probably a little bit closed to before I went to not certainly, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty daunting experience, really, going into second team. You know, you're, you're fighting for a job against against other, you know, three or four guys, really. And and that's sort of the case throughout. So I think that's probably one of the, it's, it's, yeah, that's probably the worst part of it. But I, I guess that, that comes with the territory. That, that's to be expected. But, um, yeah, that was an eye-opener for sure. And just that sort of constant pressure to, to you know, keep churning out performances. Because at the end of the day, that, that's, that's my job really now. Um, so it's probably slightly different to, to playing for Callington on a Saturday, um, you know, so, um, but you do it more for enjoyment, but yeah, I still enjoy it, but it's, it's, it's a different, different sort of enjoyment and pressure at the same time. And what you, you talk about the pressure, I mean, you, you scored a hundred on debut for knots, don't forget. So yeah. <laughs> that, was before, that was before I realised there was pressure. There. <laughs> so was that just you going out and enjoying it and thinking, you know, screw it. I'm just going to express myself, have a good time and see where I am. Yeah, I think I think honestly I came into it. I didn't really know what to expect. I think that first few months at Knotts happened so quickly in 2014. Um, yeah. I sort of did so well in the seconds. I think I scored 600s in about 10 games. Then I've got into the first team and scored a scored 100 on debut. And I, and it wasn't until I flew out to Australia and, and sort of ruptured my ACL, which I actually took a step back and realised what I'd actually achieved in such a short mm. term. And it almost hit home once. You know, I started, I guess, getting paid to do it. And, you know, you got contracts on the table and, and stuff like that. And then you actually realise, oh, you know, I'm sort of doing it for mate, my potentially different reasons and stuff now. And and the reality of it is, is you know, it is your job. So, um, but yeah, I guess that sort of smacks you in the face, really. You, you talked about injuries there. It was a question I forgot to, or a point I forgot to raise earlier. Do you remember dislocating your shoulder? In a, in a one-day game for Cornwall, when you were just on on the yeah. upward trend of, of breaking into professional cricket and you chased down a lost cause to short third man yeah. and uh, just came to shoulder. Yeah, Sharpie <laughs> bowled a, a rank drag down, didn't he? And, um, <laughs> I know you were there that game, but uh, that was... Because I think it might have got a few lads extra night out up in... Um, up it in did, Bedford. yeah. <laughs> I if you were one of them, but... Um, yeah, I mean that. Ah, oh, yeah, that was the worst pain in my life. I was so stupid. I was just, I was just young and terrible, and saw a chase of the boundary, which I thought would be a bit of excitement. And um, yeah, that was a horrible pain. I remember Fursey giving me um, oxygen in the ambulance, so uh, yeah. that was entertaining as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that you know, I actually, I had to have surgery after that. I did did quite a good job on my shoulder there, so that put me out for a while. And that was a decent setback. Um, but yeah, I guess I got over that now. I've still got the scars to show for it after that, that day um, in Bedford. I, well, I remember watching it. It was almost in slow motion and, and everyone in the team knew the upward trend that you were on. And this ball was going down to the third man boundary and we were just, everyone was thinking to themselves, don't die for it. Because there, there was a brick wall there as well. So everyone <laughs> was thinking, best. don't die for it, don't die for it, don't die for it. And you just dove head first like Michael Phelps towards this brick wall and then didn't get up so I think everyone was just like oh no <laughs> I mean looking back on it now I just don't know what I was doing but to be honest I'd never I hadn't really had an injury before that no I've just rubbery I guess I'd always jumped up and got on with it so that was the first time I, I guess I 
probably needed that just to wise up a little bit. And I, I can tell you one thing, I certainly haven't dived like that ever since. <laughs> um, I've certainly learned from it, but yeah, it was quite harsh, harsh learning that was. Um, some, some, some quick questions. Take as, as long or short as you want to answer them, but just some quick fire questions. Best batter you've played with and then best batter you've played against? Yeah, so best best batsman I've probably played with would either be Cheteshwara Pajara from India, who had a season with him, or yeah. or maybe Ross Taylor from New Zealand. Um, I, I had a lot to think about. I think I can't really decide between them two. Um, two very different players, actually. And yeah. one thing I enjoyed about Pajara was how much he loved the game and I actually learned a lot off him and he was very talked you know talked well about um you know I learned I spent a lot of time with him actually in nets and stuff talking through through the game and it was quite quite inspiring really what when those players walk into a changing room can you and they train and they're around the place can you sense the difference in them do they go about their business differently yeah 100 percent. I think the first thing I realize is once we know we've signed them I get you know quite excited and a bit nervous about meeting them. and then you realize they're just a normal person and they've got their own yeah. sort of, you know, funny ways and they're really nice people. They all have been. But yeah, I think particularly with Pajara, I think he, I've never seen anyone train as hard as him or as, or as thorough as him and, and, and his type of training he did was, was quite interesting and something which, you know, I've sort of learned off of how, particularly how late he wanted to play the ball um, and certain things like that. Um, he was a big believer in different conditions on, on batting on different guards and, and different style and different technique almost. So, um, but yeah, the way they go about it, you can tell, you know, why they're very good players for sure. And I mean, you touched on it there, but is there one thing that you've, you've picked up from from any overseas pro or an international cricketer that you've actually you've taken from their game and, and dropped into your own? Yeah, I think I've got snippets from all of them, but I think probably the biggest thing would be, I don't know how to word it, but it's a sort of presence. I think mm -hmm. I found that particularly with Ross Taylor is... When he came to the wicket, there was a real, and he talked about it, was like a real presence at the crease. And he wanted to sort of, you know, cause he always used to say, you know, two, two against 11, really, 30 out there. And, and sort of he's a big one sort of puffing out your chest and taking your mm. guard and being confident in everything you do. And, and that, almost having that presence at the crease, which is something which I've tried to bring forward. Because it can be quite an intimidating environment sometimes, particularly if, you know, it's, it's green and it's a duke ball in April and it's in its sort of diving all over shop. So... You can sometimes feel a little bit like it's all on top of you. Yeah. And then the, the other question to that is, is best bowler played with and best bowler played against? So the best bowler I've probably played with, and I, you know, I'd say it's quite confident, is, is Ravi Ashwin from India. I faced a not bad one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad one. Only because that guy could bowl anything he wanted and... I faced him in the nets, and I honestly, I, did, I had no idea which way it was going. <laughs> um, you know, he knew was he quite like. I tell you what was funny about him. He used to almost laugh at people, and then he enjoyed yeah. he enjoyed getting wickets, but he enjoyed making people look a little bit silly as well. So I think I always remember that. Like he just in nets, he just used to laugh at you, like because you couldn't pick his carom ball or anything like that. And he and he yeah, he was quite a good one to have. So he'd probably be the way well, be the best I've I've sort of played with. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I played against. Um, I don't know. We have sort of faced Fidel Edwards would probably have to be up there in terms of skill oh, and pace, I suppose. Um, it was between sort of. I, I faced him in the same game as probably the other guy I'd mentioned, Dale Stain. So 
had faced them at both ends. And then I got out to Gareth Berg in the first spell, which was disappointing. So I got through them. <laughs> but, um, probably them two as a combination aren't, aren't a bad a bad pair. And what are those, what are those blokes like to, to face? I mean, do they, are they giving you stick? Are they just going about their business? Like, what, what's that like? To be fair, they're not usually too bad. So they, they know they're better than everyone else on the pitch. So they haven't really got time for little Jake Libby at the other end. They, they, don't, <laughs> they don't know who I am, so I don't really bother them too much. But I think the, the biggest one, which I never get out of my head, is that I've always sort of said growing up, watching Mornay Merkel bowl, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'd, I'd hate to face him. He would be yeah. absolutely minging. And unfortunately, I've had to play him, I think, four times now. Um I remember the first time when he, you know, does this little spin at the end of his mark, and I was in the, at the, I was like, well, here it comes. I've said this for ten years. I don't want to face this bloke, and he's running at me now. So, um, yeah, that was always, yeah, that was always fun. And on that, it, what has there been a moment like that where you you've had a bit of a sort of a moment where you're like, oh my god, I've, I've watched this guy playing cricket for ten years growing up, and now. I'm batting with him. He's he's bowling to me. Has there been like a, a distinctive memory like that? Yeah, massively. I think <laughs> I played uh, only a little story. I played James Anderson a few years ago. I played him a few times now, but um, I remember I got a, it was diving all over the shop. I don't know why we produced a green seamer against him, but he got a <laughs> and he had Graham Onions the other end, so we had no chance. But I I almost carried my bat. I got out with Jake Ball at the non-strikers end, but. Um, I think I was 60 not out and he and he got really quite grumpy because he's quite a grumpy yeah. man anyway. um, and he started you know saying a few things about me which weren't too pleasant and I'm, th- and I'm there thinking Christ this is James Anson who I've sort of well idolized a little bit and watched him do so much success and here he is you know sledging me down at one end which I guess is a little moral victory but yeah you do sometimes get out I guess playing against you know certainly someone like Alistair Cook who I, I probably idolized as a batter growing up playing against him you know, when you're field and you see him cut a shot past you, like, oh, that's a good shot. You know, uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't be thinking that, but it was quite nice to watch, really. Yeah, I bet it was. And then a big one to finish. Um, you going to play for England? Yeah, I mean, it's a question I get asked, asked all the time. Look, I think it's a dream of everyone's, isn't it? It's, it's obviously, you know, why a lot of people play the game. I'd love to play for England. Um, I think if you asked me two or three years ago, is that achievable? I'd I probably didn't have it on the radar. I think the only thing I'd say of England is I don't think you're ever as far away from playing as you think. Um, I think if you look at the players that have played it, um, it, it only takes you know a good year or two sometimes to get in that fold. So, look, I'm not saying my name's going to be chucked about in a minute, but I would I would like to think I'm I'm in the mix. Um, it's a dream that I'd like to have. I think how I work towards that is just by keep doing well for Worcester and enjoying it at the minute. Um, I'd, I'd love to play for England, of course I would. Um, so I know Sean will be telling me off because it's one of his big things is he always asks me every time I'm going to go play for England. If I don't answer, you know, um, sort of yes, with, with sort of authority, he tells me off. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's something which I'd, I'd love to do. I think, I think you're right, though. I think you're, well, Sean's probably right as well. You, you are a professional cricketer. You're in the mix with maximum, what, 50, 50 other batters in the country. So you are just two, three, four good seasons away from, from being in the mix to open the batting for Cor- um, Cornwall. <laughs> Maybe Cornwall. Well. <laughs> You're in the mix to open the batting for England, um, is what I was trying to say. Although probably Cornwall as well. Yeah, um, same, same sort of level. Both level. <laughs> it means just as much. Exactly. That chap and that England badge, exactly the same in my eyes. 
exactly. All right. Well, on that note, we'll finish there. Thanks so much for joining us, Jake. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Cheers, Taylor. Thanks for having me, mate. Enjoyed it. Well, there you go. That's a wrap on this first Whitefoot Productions podcast. Um, apologies for some of the dodgy audio in places. My Wi-Fi isn't quite what I'd like it to be. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed it all the same. If you did, please like, share or comment. And if you'd like us to do another, let us know who we should catch up with next. Who knows, we might be back for another one. Special thanks to Jake for giving up his time. I touched it on the podcast, but it's been such a pleasure watching him bat over the last month or so, and in the last couple of years, actually. Um, and I know that the whole of Cornwall's rooting for him. And also a special mention to two other Cornish lads currently flying the flag for Cornwall. Lewis Goldsworthy at Somerset and Liam Norwell at Warwickshire. We wish them all the best for the rest of the season as well. And finally, thanks to Joe White, founder of Whitefoot Productions. I contacted Joe a few weeks ago and, uh, and discussed doing something like this. And, and since then, he's been on the ball working behind the scenes, editing and producing and making this all possible. So for any video editing, sports montages, social media management, graphic design and much more, you can get in touch with Joe at whitefootproductions at yahoo.com. You can also follow Whitefoot Productions on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at whitefootp. Likewise, you can follow me on Twitter at twilliamstweets or connect with me on LinkedIn. Cheers and go well.